Amen. Today, in the gospel reading from that passage of Mark that I just read, we hear Jesus say that whoever wants to be great must be servant of all. And so this statement immediately gets me thinking of that old Bob Dylan song that maybe you know where Bob Dylan says, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And this gospel passage and this song from Dylan are a perfect backdrop for us to look as we consider the third portion of our mission statement. As you may may or may not know, we have been working our way through Reformation's mission statement during the month of October, and each week we focus on a different portion of that statement, and so that we can have a better idea together of what it means to be this church. What has God placed on our hearts? And most importantly, what does the Bible have to say about this mission that we've set up for ourselves? So for the first week in October, the sermon was titled, By God's Grace. And for the second week in October, the sermon was titled, We Are Disciples of Christ. And for today, the sermon title is, Reaching Out. Reaching Out. We will be looking at Mark chapter 10. If you would please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. As I said, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10 this morning. If you want to start flipping to that part of your Bible, please go right ahead. But before we look directly at the passage, and don't worry, I'll tell you when it's time, I want to give you a little backdrop, a little background information that will help us better understand the gravity of what is happening in Mark chapter 10. You see, up until this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus has been going from town to town, preaching and teaching and healing. And every now and then, while he's going about preaching and teaching and healing, every once in a while, Jesus will mention to his disciples that his final stop will be in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem back then was the capital city. It's where the temple was. And so the temple was in Jerusalem, and that meant that absolutely, no doubt about it, the very most, a number one, important holy city for all Jewish people was Jerusalem. So it would make a lot of sense for a famous Jewish rabbi to want to go to Jerusalem. He's a rabbi, of course. He wants to be in the holy city. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just say to his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem. He had a couple more details that he would add on to his itinerary, if you will. You see, whenever Jesus would tell his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem, he would also tell them that he was going to Jerusalem to die. My guess is that no one ever really took Jesus too seriously when he said these things, based on the reactions that the disciples have in the scripture. The, my thought is that it's kind of like that, that crazy uncle that you might have, right? He's really nice to talk to, and he's got a lot of good ideas. But then every now and then, he'll start talking about how aliens have taken over our tap water and are using it as a mind control device. And you'll just be like, oh, Uncle Jerry, Uncle Jerry, just say your thing. Hope you, hope you change the subject soon. 
I think that's what happens with the disciples and Jesus. They love everything that he's saying and everything that he's teaching them. And then every now and then he'll go off on this, I got to go to Jerusalem to die. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, can we change the subject as quickly as possible? Don't believe me, though, for just saying that to you. Let's look at it ourselves, shall we? Look with me, Mark chapter 10, verse 32. This is a precursor to what we read this morning, but it's important information. Mark chapter 10, verse 32. Here we read, They were on the road, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Jesus took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise again. Okay, stop there. Do you see what happens? They are getting close to Jerusalem. And so Jesus reminds the disciples about what's going to happen once he gets to Jerusalem. I'm going to that city so that I can die. But the disciples, the disciples, they just tune him out. They're like, yep, here goes crazy Jesus again talking about dying in Jerusalem. Somebody please try and change the subject here. Look back at your Bibles and see what happens next. The next verse, verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. See, they change the subject right away. It goes on. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit at your right hand and on your left in your glory. Now before I go putting the disciples down too severely for their foolishness here, I should explain one thing to you so that you can start to see where they are coming from. Jesus was this great rabbi, and he was performing miracles and teaching in a way that no one had ever seen before. And because of all of this, many people were starting to think that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Now, in Judaism at that time, the Messiah was this divine figure who the prophets had spoken about and predicted. And so they also believed that the Messiah wasn't just going to be a teacher. He was going to be a great military leader. The Messiah would overthrow the oppressors of the day and gather all of Israel back together. He would be the king of Israel and rule for ages to come. And this really is the important part. The Messiah would do all of this in the city of Jerusalem. So you've got all these disciples who have been following Jesus around for years. And they have seen Jesus do incredible things. And they have also been taught since they were little children that when the Messiah came back, he would be in Jerusalem. And so you've got to understand that when James and John are wandering around with this guy, Jesus, who's been performing miracles left and right, when they see the city of Jerusalem off in the distance... And realize that that's where they're headed next. Of course they would think that they're going there so Jesus can become king. And so that's why 
(laughs) they have got to go with him straight away. I imagine that the moment that the city of Jerusalem became visible in the distance on the horizon, that James looked at the city and then he looked at John and he said to them, you thinking what I'm thinking? (laughs) And John replied, Jesus is going to be king. And James is like, yeah, we better grab the good seats while they're still available. (laughs) And so the two run off to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we know what's coming next. And so we want to be on your left and your right in the throne room. It's easy to roll our eyes and laugh at the disciples. But what we need to realize is the way that they are so much like us. You see, because what I'm trying to show you here is the disciples had their own ideas about how things were supposed to work. They had their own ideas about what would happen in Jerusalem. Even though Jesus had told them clearly again and again what was really going down, the disciples thought they knew better. No, I don't know about you, but as for me, I always do exactly what Jesus says. I'm talented and kind and gracious and merciful and forgiving and most of all, humble. I'm smart too. And so when I read the Bible, I know exactly what those words mean. In fact, I know so clearly what the words mean that I read in the Bible that sometimes I read them and I say, oh, no, Jesus, that's not what you meant. I think we can switch this around and make it a little bit better. Jesus, I know you said that it's downright impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, but the Mega Millions jackpot is $1.6 billion. I'm confessing to you all that I'm just like James and John. Even though Jesus told them plainly that he was going to Jerusalem to die, James and John can only picture Jerusalem as a place of glory, a place for their glory. And that's really the problem, church. This is the hardest part about being a Christian. Christianity is a religion that's all about Jesus' invitation to come and die. Jesus said things like, take up your cross and follow me. The first must be last. We must die to bear much fruit. Lose your life so you can gain it. We must be servants of all. We have to come to grips with this, church. We have to realize that being a follower of Jesus isn't about getting the glory. Following Jesus isn't about getting the glory. Because that's what James and John wanted. They wanted the thrones on the left and the right in the throne room. And we do this too. We start to think that our knowledge of the Bible puts us on some sort of pedestal above others. We lord it over other people. We think that our our music leadership or our church leadership or our Bible study leadership is somehow putting us above other people. Oh, we're a church like this, not like that. Anytime that we think our church is better than another, Jesus says it plainly. Friends, it's not about grandeur and greatness. And whole churches will do this too. It's not just individuals. We want our church to be the biggest and the best. We want the glory days of Reformation Lutheran Church to come marching through the doors. But that's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus says to James and John when they try to make this trip to Jerusalem, all about them winning the best seats in the throne room. Here's what Jesus says. This is Mark chapter 10, verse 44. Whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. 
For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving others is what it's about, church. Serving others is the main task of the people who follow Jesus. Serving others is the main concern of a church. But we are so good at getting that twisted. Let me tell you a story. I know about this church that was in the heart of a smaller city. It was right downtown on a major bus line. It was just a few blocks from the very center of the city. And there was a large homeless population that often hung out in the area around the church. And now this church definitely did some good outreach in their community and in their neighborhood, but it's not what they were known for. What they were known for was their music program. They spent thousands of dollars every year so that different choirs would have excellent directors and accompanists. And they also made sure that every section of their choir had a paid soloist who could help lead that particular section. And one day they learned. They learned that their massive, historic pipe organ needed a tune-up. And you know, organs aren't cheap instruments. Mm -mm. This organ, though, this organ had 150 ranks and over 8,000 pipes. And so this tune-up that it needed had a little bit of a price tag attached to it. $1.5 million. $1.5 million to fix the organ. Now, I like more organ music just as much as the next person. But how can you tell me that a church can get away with spending $1.5 million on a musical instrument when there were homeless people literally sleeping on the church steps. The glory of having an organ sure seems nice, but how can you tell me that that's the way of Jesus? Reaching out beyond the walls of the church to improve your neighborhood and community, now that's what Jesus would do. Reaching out to a fellow church member who's going through a difficult time. That's what Jesus would do. Caring for someone after their loved one has passed away. That's what Jesus would do. Stocking shelves at a local food pantry. Building houses with Habitat for Humanity. Visiting the inmates at the local prison. Teaching math to a kid at elementary school. Mentoring someone at the high school. Serving at a soup kitchen. These are the ways of Jesus. We do these things not so we can get more glory, not so you can take a selfie and put it on Instagram. We reach out to others and serve so that God may be glorified. To God be the glory, we say. May God be glorified through the serving of other people. Jesus showed us once and for all that while glory and power might look good on the surface, The truly unstoppable force in the universe is the power of the servant. The power of loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus preached. That's what Jesus revealed. That's what Jesus died for. That's what Jesus rose for. He went to Jerusalem and he did something completely unexpected. He went to Jerusalem to die for the world. So that James and John and you and me and everybody else would finally understand that going after glory and power and might will always fall apart in the end. If you're only doing this Christian thing so that you can boost your own ego, you're doing it wrong. If your only hope is that the church will get bigger and prettier and more powerful, 
then you're doing it wrong. If all you want to do is make things great again, then you're not following the ways of Jesus. The way of Jesus is the way of the cross. If you want to sit on Jesus' left and on his right when he comes into his glory, then you will be on a cross beside him on Calvary. If you want to share in the glory of Jesus, then you're going to have to give your life to his cause. And the mission of Jesus is based entirely on reaching out. Reaching out to the neighbor in need, reaching out to the person in pain, reaching out to the friend far away. Just one more thing, then I'll sit down. The disciples thought that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to become king, as I said. And I know that I've been teasing them about this the whole time, but do you know what? They were actually kind of right. The thing is that they didn't understand what a true king looks like. A true king cares deeply about the needs of his people, more than he cares about his own glory or accomplishments. A true king will go to any lengths to ensure that his people are safe and cared for. A true king is willing to go into battle and fight for his people. A true king is going to go into battle to die for his people. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus did. He went to Jerusalem and he confronted the most powerful, the most glorious, the most important kingdom in the world at that time. And this empire... This holy Roman empire with its rulers and emperors and big important people sitting on fancy thrones. This empire heard about a little Jewish rabbi who was saying some things that they didn't really like. And so they bribed his friend and they tracked him down and they wrongfully arrested and wrongfully accused and wrongfully convicted and executed this rabbi from Nazareth. They used all the power that they had in the most corrupt ways possible in order to stop the message of Jesus. But do you know what happened next? The glory of all of Rome, the full power of the Holy Roman Empire, couldn't put a stop to the true power of the servant king, Jesus Christ. Because on Sunday morning, the message that the Romans had been trying to put down forever became more powerful than ever. The Holy Roman Empire tried to put a stop to the ways of Jesus, but here we are today, 2,000 years later, preaching and practicing this message they tried to destroy. This is the power of the church, friends. This is a power that is so much stronger than kingdoms. This is a glory that is so much better than fame. There is a way of life, church, That is so much better than the one you've been living. Jesus Christ, the servant king, is reaching out to you today. And he's inviting you to discover a new way of life. A way of life that is focused on serving the needs of others. A way of life that cares nothing about the thrones and the greatness and the ego and the celebrity. But rather cares about reaching out in love to one another. This is who we are, Reformation. This is who Jesus calls us to be. By God's grace, we are disciples of Christ reaching out, reaching out in love and service to the whole world. Amen.